This is WMPG. I'm Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space Radio, a show about courage. The courage to talk about the things that are the hardest to bring up, but that we think about the most. Today is the last show in our series on dementia, and we're going to be doing something new. We're going to be playing your stories. Throughout this series, we've been inviting you to contact us and talk about the ways that dementia has touched your life, and the response has been overwhelming. Over the next half hour, we'll be hearing 10 stories from you. To begin with, we're going to play two stories about the confusion that dementia can create, not only for the person with the illness, but also for those around them. Sometimes this confusion can be quite painful, and sometimes it's harmless and even funny. Then we'll hear a couple of stories about what it's like to actually take care of someone whose mind has been changed by dementia, how in some ways it can feel like taking care of a child where even the simplest tasks, like stepping on a scale, can feel impossible. So here they are, stories from you, our listeners, about loving someone with dementia. My name is Julie, and this story is about my mother. My mom uh, is an 89-year-old woman whose personality has been really lost with her increasing dementia, probably over the last 10 years or so. She often does not know me. She's confused about where she is and what is happening around her. And she has lost even most of her long-term memory. Um, I was driving to the senior center with my mom. This is a senior center she attends several times a week. And we were sitting next to each other in the front of the car when we needed to stop for a railway crossing uh, because a train was coming. So as we were sitting, uh, waiting for the train to pass, she said quietly, almost as if in a dream, and utterly without emotion, and then they shave off all of your hair and it's a catastrophe. It took my breath away uh, when she said that and it took me a moment to understand where she was in her mind. She was clearly at the ramp in Auschwitz, moments after being separated from her parents and reliving the next horrendous moments of that nightmarish experience. I realized that it was the sight and the sound of the train that had transported her back there. So here she is, somebody who's so lost in the world, so lost in her mind, and she's suddenly back at that horrible moment. So um, I gently reached over to her, and I took her hand, and I asked her to look at me. And I told her that I was her daughter, Julie, and that we are in America, and that we were on our way to visit the senior center, and I assured her that she was safe. I must say, it just... It it breaks my heart that of all the wonderful experiences that she's had in her long life, um, if any memories break through at all, it tends to be these horrendous ones. about my mother's mother who 
died when she was 84, and for several years before, she had suffered from dementia, and she had Parkinson's, and, you know, she would go out of, in and out of um, moments of lucidity, and, you know, some of the times when she had delusional moments, they were frightening. They were, you know, fears of people coming into a room, or we'd have to eat in her room rather than go into the dining hall because she was too afraid, things like that, but you know, there were a couple of moments which were just delightful where we'd ask her, um, my mom would ask her if she was going to be sad when everybody left and, and she came out spontaneously with, you know, no, I'm always, you know, I've always got Marion, who is my mother, in the corner singing. So there's always music, which was hilarious to all of us because my mother doesn't, in fact, sing. But here she was. My grandmother felt that she was here with her all the time singing and so that was really comforting you know Marion's always in the corner singing my name is Katie and my mother's name is Bonnie and she's 88 years old um, she was diagnosed with vascular dementia several years ago, um, but it became really evident to my siblings and me kind of what she was dealing with after my dad died about two years ago. They were married for over 50 years, and after my dad died, my mother didn't speak for a pretty long time. And um, when she did speak, she would get the details of his death wrong and almost didn't even know that he did die. And um, for many, many months, I would be with her, and she would kind of look over at his chair, and I would know that she'd be wondering, where's Dad? And uh, so, but my mother, she has has kind of come into a a playfulness now. Um, There's a real sweetness to her, which is very different from kind of what I expected um, and uh, and so we're just very present in the moment with her, and I love that. My mother is living delightfully in the present moment, which has its pain when she can't remember things and I have to go back to the death, but um, but just to be with her and to, to celebrate the moments. Um, sometimes she doesn't remember who I am, and that's okay. I, I try to give her all of her five children and name them all and I use my fingers in order of who's who and and I say okay which one am I and after I do that most of the time she can say you're Katie and and she'll grab the middle finger that's I'm the middle child and yes and we celebrate yes I'm so glad and then I'd say and who are you Uh, and sometimes she can say she's Bonnie sometimes she can't but we always you know celebrate yes you are Bonnie I was waking her up one morning, getting her um, out of bed and, you know, playing with her feet and helping her, like, get the covers off. And and I said to her, you know, who am I? You're Katie. Yes, I'm Katie. Okay, so we got that. And I said, and who are you to me? And she looked at me and she looked at herself and she said, I'm your daughter. <laughs> and, uh, no, you're my mother. But sometimes it does feel like that, that I'm taking care of a child. But without that knowledge that she's going to grow and change and, and, and retain stuff, but just 
knowing that this is different and it's a part of life and it's a beautiful part of life. I volunteered to be the caretaker of my mother-in-law, who was at the time in her late 50s, and um, I didn't really know it at the time, but she had a type of dementia that was um, because of some cancer treatment she had had 20 years before that. And I had spent a lot of time caretaking children and I thought that it would be the same. <laughs> and it really, really wasn't. Um, because adults who don't have all of their cognitive function um, are much more frustrated about it than children are because they know to be frustrated about it. And I didn't expect to get so angry at her. Um, because I didn't typically get angry at kids. I was really good at kind of managing my own emotional upheaval around upset. But oh my goodness. There was this one instance where she wanted to weigh herself. And it's the kind of scale where you have to tap the scale and wait 10 seconds and then step onto it. And if you don't get the timing right, it doesn't work. But there was like a delay in her mind and we just couldn't get the timing right. And by like the 15th time, I my head was ready to explode and I just said, I'm so frustrated right now. I feel like I could just hit you. I'm so angry. And I was, but it was like, I, I was so angry I had to say it so I didn't do it. And she just looked over at me and said, you should. And I said, I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I just, I want you to know how frustrated I am and it's not your fault, it's not my fault, but let's try, you know, just try to get on the scale when I say step. You want to make things easier for them, but then there's so many instances where you have to make things easy for yourself and it's, it's a constant, constant conflict of whose needs are more important given the long-term scope of the caregiving relationship. As you can tell from these stories, there are many challenges and difficulties of loving someone with dementia. The thing that surprised us in this series is actually how often we heard stories about moments of connection and sweetness that had never been there in the relationship with the person before. And it really struck us because in Safe Space Radio, we really focus on subjects that are not being talked about. We, we focus on subjects that are silenced, and, and usually it's because they're associated with shame or vulnerability or something like that. But what kept surfacing in this series was that the untold stories of dementia were actually stories about sweetness, about connection, about love, about shared laughter. We want to end this series now with a few more stories from you about surprising moments of sweetness with someone you love who has dementia.
My name is Kathy, and I'm one of five children. And my mother, very, very busy lady, had a great deal of trouble staying in the present. Like as you were finishing lunch, she'd say, so what should we have for dinner? Very difficult for her to feel satisfied. For instance, when I was leaving after a visit, she would always say, oh, can't you stay longer? Oh, do you have to go now? And I always felt guilty. I always felt like it was never enough. But when she got dementia, she was able to slow down and became less anxious and much more able to stay in the moment. And that was a real gift because all of her was available to all of me. And all of me had been trying to connect with her for most of my life. But there was never really an opportunity until she uh, had dementia. And she slowed down in every possible way. And most of the time she knew who I was. And what was a, a gift for me is that there were no other children on her mind, no dinner on her mind, no... Uh, what should she be doing for her husband on her mind? The only person in that room when she and I were in that room together was me. I would walk in the door of her room at the facility and she would light up like a Christmas tree because it was me. And that was a real gift. She was also raised in a generation where um, men were the most important. And uh, my brother, poor thing, was the only male in the family. And he became even more important after my father died. So historically, I would walk in and she might say, his name is Roop, R-U-P-E. So I might walk in and a few minutes later, oh, is Roop coming? But that didn't happen when she got dementia. I became enough. And I remember in particular her last Christmas that she was able to come out of the facility and we went over to the condo that she used to live in, and we was just the two of us. And I decorated the mantle, as she always did. And I was there, and we had a lovely dinner together and a fire in the fireplace. And her other kids were calling on the phone, and we had some presents. And she was in what has been titled My Father's Chair, and she was all comfy and cozy. And we were just sitting there looking at the Christmas lights, we sat there for a moment in silence, and all of a sudden she said, I am so happy right now. And I'd never heard her say that. My mom and I had quite a history of giggling 
together, whenever we were together. And there's a lot of family lore about my mom and I um, losing it, you know, just really getting very um, giddy together. And, um, but when she was ill, it was a little bit hard to reach that part of her, but sometimes you could. One of her confusions was that my dad was not my dad. That she thought the person who was with her was some friend and that she was always looking for her husband. And I would try to reassure her and there's a whole lot to talk about about that. But this one day, we're on the phone. I, I, ta- I called and I got my dad first and then my mother was very agitated. He let me talk to her. And talking to me often would calm her down a little bit. And we were talking, and but I don't know where my husband is, she said to me. And I said, Mom, I just talked to him. He's right there, and he's next to you, and he's taking care of you. And she said, Oh, that guy? That's not your father? And I said to her, Now you tell me. <laughs> and she just cracked up in her great confusion. She somehow got that that was really funny and we laughed and laughed and laughed and like all of her troubles fell away it was just an amazing moment My name is Amy Amoroso, and I'm going to tell you a story about my grandmother, Peggy Lands. She always wore a lot of jewelry, but once she got dementia, she wore a lot of everything. Like if she was going to wear a scarf, she wore five scarves. And if she was going to wear pants, sometimes she'd wear like three pairs of pants. And so the Christmas before she died, she had on like, seven watches on her wrists and um, there was one of them I really liked it was silver with a bunch of circles on it and I said I really like that watch Graham it's really beautiful and she just burst out laughing and said I have all these watches but none of them say the right time and it's really to make a statement that time doesn't matter and She put her arm around me, and we just laughed like we used to laugh. And she said, do you want this watch? And I was like, are you sure you want to give it to me? And she said, yeah, I've got plenty. And so I took the watch, and um, after months after she died, I was wearing the watch, and um, my mother said to me, you know, we can just so easily take that watch and get it fixed and get the right time on it. And um, I said, I, I don't want to. There's something about having the watch say the time that it was when time stopped for Graham, and I would rather have it stay there.
My name is Jill, and I want to tell you a story about my dad. He was a well-known and respected civil rights attorney and an activist in Rhode Island, and he founded the Rhode Island ACLU. He was a complex legal thinker, and his arguments were persuasive and eloquent. And his mind and his memory were really his greatest tools. My dad was also an avid theater-goer, and one of the ways that he shared his love of theater was when he was home, he would turn on records of show tunes, and he was always encouraging my brother and I to sing along with him, which was always fun for us and just a way to be connected and a way to just be playful with him. And he loved to sing, but for some reason he never seemed to get the words right, ever. Um, And I don't think he really cared about that. When he was in his early 80s, we began seeing signs of memory loss and dementia, and he subsequently was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. He eventually went to live in a memory impairment unit in an assisted living facility, Um, and I tried to visit every weekend if I could because I knew our time was short. Eventually, he wasn't able to have conversations. We would often just sit side by side together, especially toward the end, the last few months. The last 10 days of his life, um, he had to go up to a nursing floor, and we knew it was the beginning of the end. And I decided to make a playlist of all the old show tunes that we used to sing that I really knew he loved. And so my younger daughter, who was 19 at the time, and I, we, she was on one side of the bed and I was on the other. He held each of our hands, and I turned on the music. And I think we were singing Hello, Dolly. He loved that song. And then I could just see him sort of smiling, and he was squeezing our hands as he was listening to us. And then every few moments, he would start to sing with us a few words or a phrase from the song. And what was crazy was that he actually got the words right. He was sort of in and out, but every time he opened his mouth, he got the words right. Hello, Harry, well, hello, Lou. As if what didn't matter to him before about getting the words right now did because it was his way of letting me know, letting us know, that he was still connected, still right there with us. Danny, you're still glowing, you're still crowing, you're still going strong. I feel the room swaying for the band's playing one of my old favorite songs from way back when. So Before we understood what was happening to my mother, Something was changing, her responses, her memory clearly was changing, but it wasn't anything that you could really grab onto yet. I called one day and my dad answered the phone and he was talking to me a little bit and he said, wait, I'll get your mother. And he goes, hey, Ruth, because her name is Ruth and they're from Brooklyn, so my father has never said a TH. And hey, Ruth, your daughter's on the phone. And in the background, I hear her say, My daughter? Oh, I love her. And she never would have said anything like that ever. It just wasn't like the way she was. But something was falling away, and it was a sweetness that was coming out. 
my mom had had a harsh life and a lot of that was in a shell and this sweetness that came out when she started to become ill was um, a lovely surprise
My thanks today to each of you who shared a story with us. We got such a response we were not able to use everyone's story, but I thank all of you who called in with one. My thanks, too, to the guests who've been part of this series on the untold stories of dementia. If you did not get a chance to hear this series and you'd like to learn more about it, please go to our website at safespaceradio.com. Also, if you are living with dementia in your life, I want you to know about some local resources here in southern Maine. The Alzheimer's Association is at 772-0115, and the Southern Maine Agency on Aging is at 396 6500. Coming up in December, we'll be starting a new series on the experience of incarceration. My thanks today to Gabe Graben for producing the show and experimenting with this new format of adding music and story. Maurice Lennon for the intro music and Jim Russell for being our consultant. Coming up next is Speak Freely. Speak Freely.